first week of MLS action is in the books. This is the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly. Down in Arizona, still in Portland, is Ivis Galarsep. Are you going to live up there now, man? I'll tell you what, man. I have had an amazing time here. It's my first trip to Portland, and the city is great. The people are great. There's a lot of love for SBI here, and uh, it's it really is soccer city. How, I mean, and you chose the perfect game to go to. Oh, I know. It's it, it was crazy. It was it was an amazing game, back and forth, six goals. And uh, funny enough, you know, the the game looked like it might turn into a blowout. Yeah. It was three one. 3-1 at halftime for the Red Bulls, and uh, at, at, at halftime, I went down and sat uh, with the Timbers Army, and uh, I don't know if I brought them a luck or brought the Red Bulls bad luck, but the, I got a chance to see the, com- the Timbers come back from right behind the goal, and I got to tell you, man, the atmosphere there and, and just the passion of the fans there was just unbelievable, and, and for me, I've never ex- I've never had an experience like that at mm-hmm. a game, and, you know, I've, I've been in the stands for my share of games, and, and you know... Uh, there, there's places in the league, obviously, that have some great uh, fan bases. I love how you're not. Teams. I love how you're not mentioning those teams. No, I mean, I, I, tell you, <laughs> I mean, I can give you examples. I mean, Philly, uh, Toronto. When Toronto first came into the league, uh, even New York, you know, they, they, their their supporters groups, uh, you know, get get it going pretty good. Uh, Kansas City. Uh, and Seattle. I think I mentioned Seattle. Seattle's amazing too. But I got to tell you, man, I, I don't think I've ever experienced the game day experience like I did in Portland. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a good experience up there. You know, obviously, we're going to talk MLS on this show. Before we get into MLS, though, Ivis, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team, the U-20s. They qualified for the World Cup, and that's what they were supposed to do. That was the goal. That was the objective. They got to the finals, which was awesome. It would have been great to beat Mexico. Unfortunately, they lost, though, Ivis, 3-1. to one. But you had to be very, very pleased and, and very hopeful at, at this team's performance. Without a doubt. I got to tell you, I mean, when you think about... The mood, the mood of the U.S. fan base after the first game, oh, yeah. which was a pretty forgettable uh, opening game, even though it was a win. Uh, just the way the team came together and, and the way they built momentum through the tournament and then finishing off with a great performance against Mexico. I mean, it's not easy having to play Mexico in Mexico. Obviously, they were a strong t- opponent, but the U.S. took it to them. The U.S. gave them everything they had, and they could have won that game. It came down to some some pretty big saves from, from Richard Sanchez, who happens to be at FC Dallas, uh, you know, product. Uh, it, 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 was, it was pretty crazy when you think about it. And, and U.S. fans have to be happy with what they saw. Some really promising stuff from, from that group of players. And you have to get excited now about the U-20 World Cup. And it seems like it's been forever since, since the U.S. has been in a youth tournament uh, to, you know, for, <laughs> for fans to follow. But they're on their way to Turkey. They're going to the U-20s. And that performance in the final uh, has to have fans excited about what they're going to see this summer. Well, Ivis, when the team goes into the summer, I mean, we, we should expect kind of the same team coming back. Or are there going to be any other guys that, that could make this roster in the summer? Oh, it's, it's yeah. I wouldn't assume it's going to be the same team. There's going to be changes without a doubt. I mean, I think you're going when you talk about guys like John Anthony Brooks, mm-hmm. who you know he he's someone who's still a question mark. Is he going to play for the U.S.? Is he not going to play for the U.S.? I mean, he's a beast, you know, for Hertha Berlin. So he's someone to look for. Walker Zimmerman, the uh, center back for FC Dallas. He's someone who, you know, if he was healthy, he would have probably been the captain of this team. So you can't rule him out. He, you know, he's someone that when he gets healthy, you know, even though you don't know how much he's going to play at FC Dallas, so that's going to be a question mark, but he's still such a quality player. I think he'll be on that team, and, and I think he could easily start. Uh, so so you got those guys, and then a player, when you think about MLS opening weekend, uh, someone like DeAndre Yedlin for Seattle, who started at right back in his first game, a 19-year-old right back, and he played outstanding, I thought, for Seattle, even though they lost. He was the SBI Rookie of the Week. So there, there, there's guys. There's he guys looked, he looked good in that game. Team. 
What's that? He looked good in that game. I just want to throw that out there. Um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, to be 19 and to be in that environment and in your first match and get thrown out there and look as good as he did. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, if anything, I mean, not to knock, you can't knock Tab Ramos for too much considering the tournament they had. But you can ask yourself, why in the world was DeAndre Yedlin not on his team, not in that starting lineup? Because, I mean, you know, boy, let's face it, if there was, if there, if there were, you know, a few weak spots for the U.S. roster, Right back was one of them. Boyd Onkwanu is not a right back, mm-hmm. uh, or at least he needs to work on being a right back. I know he's a center back uh, for North Carolina. But, you know, DeAndre Yedlin, for me, if he keeps playing like that, he should absolutely start, be a starter for Ty Ramos. You know, I actually had a chance to watch him last year. Uh, FC Tucson, a PDL team down in Tucson, made the playoffs, and they played the Seattle U23s in that first game. And I remember watching him, and I mean, his pace on the wing. I'm just really happy to see a player like him, rookie, uh, starting and doing well in his first game. All right, Ivis, though, we got to get back to the to the U.S. men's team. U20 is not the only team doing well. Not the not the only newsmakers right now. Josie Altidore scores his 24th goal of the season, breaking Clint Dempsey's record that Clint Dempsey earned last year. I mean, what a season for Josie Altidore, Ivis. He just keeps on scoring goals, and and you know, it, it, we, we we've talked. About, I feel like we've talked about this like the last two or three oh, shows yeah. in a row about how he's killing it in, in the Netherlands and, and how, you know, it, it might it just might be time for him now to, to tear it up with the U.S. team. But, again, it comes down to, you know, what their midfield does. But uh, if you think about the, you know, not to jump ahead to the MLS, uh, you know, the MLS stuff, which we'll get to later, but I think that some of the encouraging stuff from some uh, some of the midfielders in the U.S. pool makes you wonder, you know, maybe they will have some pieces to put it together between Breck Shea getting playing time, Graham Zussi start starting out uh, really well uh, for Sporting Kansas City. You know, maybe just maybe Jurgen Klinsmann will have the some uh, you know some midfield pieces in place that will allow your Josie Altidore to finally do what he does on the club level with the national team. You know, it's amazing. I was just a month after the U.S. lost the opening game. All of a sudden, we're not hitting panic mode. We're we're speaking of optimism. It's amazing what a month can do. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it's just been enough time now that yeah. people have have been able to cool off a bit and and put it behind them but again the next set of games is coming up and uh you know they're gonna have you know either there's gonna be new fresh reason for optimism or there's gonna be some serious panicking going on if the u.s does not get at least three points from these next two games well i was going back to josie what's what's i mean he's probably not going to stay with this team he's probably going to leave this summer on a transfer are you hearing of any clubs any countries or anything like that that he might be moving on or is he going to stay in netherlands again I would say for me, there's an. I, I I think it's unlikely that he stays. I think it's just a case of of, of economics. You know that there're going to be teams that are going to make bids. There were obviously teams already last summer that made bids for him, uh, and now that he's done it for a second year, you know it's clear that you know it wasn't a fluke, and 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 obviously he's gotten better and he's getting better. So I, I think teams are just going to you know increase their offers for him. Uh, as far as team specific teams, you know I, I've heard some teams that were interested last year. Uh, some teams in the Premier League, some teams in Serie A, and, and I think those are, are still going to be leagues that 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 pay extra attention to him. Uh, as far as just how much a transfer he'll fetch, I mean that's that's the interesting question. You know, he for me, I think at least the ten million that Villarreal bought him for, I think that is modest at this point. And it would, and if he keeps going, if he finishes the year out doing the what he's been doing lately, uh, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't be too crazy to say you know twelve to fifteen million. Uh, or 10 to 12 million in that range. So I, I think he, you know, I think it's a safe bet that he's going to break his own personal record for, for biggest transfer uh, by a, a U.S. national team player. Edgar Castillo, 
He went beast mode this weekend. I mean, dude, he broke his face and he played 90 minutes. However, though, he's probably going to miss the U.S. men's national team games if he got a call up and played at the end of March, though. But Ivis, man, dude, what toughness out of Castillo. Oh, no question about it. You know, I mean, to, to you know, get hit in the face, have fractures in your face and to finish out the game. Uh, you know, I don't know if he was in shock or, or uh-huh. he really didn't feel it or he, or he just has the the uh you know the pain threshold of a of a karate master i mean it's totally impressive and it it's disappointing for him to get injured especially now i mean as 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 well as he's been playing uh in big matches i mean he's really really stepped his game up i mean he's become one of the best players on that team uh putting in really good games for club tijuana on a regular basis and now he's gonna miss a big game against the Corinthians in uh, in the Copa Libertadores. That's a big that that's a big loss, obviously for him. And then in World Cup qualifying, I really I really was getting the sense that we could see him play a key role for Jurgen Klinsmann and 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 maybe get some minutes because he was playing that well. Uh, but now that he's going to miss a month, it seems unlikely. But then who knows? You know, this guy's you know <laughs> if he can you know fight through a game, you know, is he going to put a mask on and and and, and come anyway? Uh, it seems unlikely, but uh, you know, I think again, it's going to be a month off, and it's un- it's unfortunate timing. But he's going to be back, and I think I, s- I still think he's going to play a key role this summer. And Ivis, U.S. men's national team wasn't the only thing going on this weekend or making headlines. It was the first weekend of MLS action. Games were awesome. Goals were awesome. Plays were—I mean, everything was awesome about this weekend. Everything, you know. Just I'm going to sum it up and say it was awesome. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, I mean, for you, for MLS fans that you know spent the last few months just eager to get the season back going. Yeah, uh, it was the perfect weekend. I mean, I know some, you know, some teams obviously some the fans of some teams are obviously not happy because you know their teams came out and and, and got shelled or, or or had disappointing results. But overall, quality of play and the impressive debuts of several players, uh, whether rookies or international mm-hmm. signings. Uh, there's and, and you know some coaches making some some impressive debuts. Uh, there, there was plenty to talk about and plenty to get excited about is, uh, for the season. Well, Ivis, uh, you, uh, you and I talked before the show, and you identified five key games uh, that you want to talk about, and, and you know we really want to go into in depth. I mean, let's start off with the game that you saw in person was the New York Red Bulls versus Portland Timbers. Uh, Red Bulls got a little lucky, I guess you could say, some, some unfortunate miscommunication in the back. Mikel Silvestre might have had the worst opening to a career of the MLS ever, but... Portland bounced back, and they fought tough in that second half, and you had to be excited of what this Portland Timbers team can do. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, when you, when you think about how that game started uh, and Mikel Sylvest, uh just having an absolute shocker and maybe the, the worst first half, uh, first the worst first half for a defender in a long time that yeah. I can remember. Uh, you know, it looked like it was going to be an ugly day at Jeldwin Field. And, and, but, you know, I got to say, the, the Timbers Army, the – their supporters did not stop cheering, did not stop believing in that team, and in the second half, the you know the the Timbers came out and were, and they just were all over the Red Bulls, and uh, you know the, for New York it was interesting to see them just kind of come out flat and uh, you know just not bring it, and and Mike Becky even acknowledged that after the game that you know they just came out flat and they let the you know they let the Timbers kind of just smother them, and and Caleb Porter I'm sure he's, he's I know for a fact he saw it a different way in in, in his mind. They're the ones who impose themselves, and mm-hmm. you can argue, you can definitely argue that. Uh, but look at, I'll tell you what, a look, a closer look at the stats uh, will show you that even though it was 3 1 Red Bulls at halftime, the Timbers were actually, even in the first half, were controlling possession uh, and they were dominating the statistics. But where they, where they weren't dominating where it counted, which was the scoreboard, mm-hmm. and that obviously was because of Sylvester and just him just having an absolute shocker 
of a first half. Well, when you talk about the team's uh, emerges in the second half, and I mean, you see it right away. Will Johnson, he had an amazing second half. He was everywhere. And then Ryan Johnson had opportunities to, to grab the lead right there and some other goals too. I mean, right away, look, at, I mean, you talk about contri- I mean, two contributors right away that you added this offseason. I mean, dude, talk about a home run already it looks like for Caleb Porter with these two guys. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Will Johnson, I mean, when, as soon as they signed him, I mean, as soon as they traded for him, uh, I mean, I said it then that, that he was the perfect player for them to add. I mean, not only is he a quality player, uh, and he, and technically, and he, he's a good, solid player, but what he brings is a edge and a bite to that team. Mm-hmm. The Timbers were a soft team last year. There's no other way to say it. It, it was known, well-known around the league. They were a soft team, easy team to play. Will Johnson is the kind of player that you put him on a team, and he tra- he changes the attitude of the team because he just demands it because he's such a fiery guy, no nonsense guy. He gives it his all, and he will. I, you could be his teammate, and he will fight you if you don't if you don't give your all. And that's definitely set a tone. It's something that Caleb Porter definitely wanted to have, and we saw it right there, opening day when the team when the Timbers were getting bombarded and, and those mistakes put them in a three one hole. Will, will Johnson was the one running around like a madman, yeah. just trying to win every ball, trying to get the play going. And, and he set a tone. He set a tone there even before halftime. And then in the second half, obviously, the, some more of his teammates joined him, like Ryan Johnson. He stepped up his game. And now you can see, you, you know, you could see from Ryan Johnson uh, why exactly Caleb Porter traded for him, traded his first-round pick, and decided that he wanted him to be his target forward. And, Ivis, what's kind of interesting is, is now coming out of the Red Bulls was Tyrion Henry's comments, how he said that the team didn't have much time to prepare because the, uh, the the horrible travel that they had to go through. I mean, do you put much stock into his comments saying the team didn't have much time to prepare to, to, to sum up what kind of was a second-half breakdown? That's excuses, man. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know anyone that's going to really buy that. And you know what? Was was it an ideal situation for them? No. I mean, they, they were supposed to travel here, uh, I believe, on, on Friday, and, the, and they, they were unable to do so and ended up having a charter and traveling on Saturday. And did, did that have a little factor? I'm sure it did. But, again, if you have to think about the fact that for the – Timbers, uh, Mikel Sylvester had just joined the team on Wednesday, just flown in. Mm-hmm. So he came on short, uh, you know, on short notice as well. And obviously he paid the price for that before recovering in the second half. So, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't see that as an excuse. Uh, you know, so, some of the Red Bulls players were outstanding. I mean, Fabian and Spindola looked great. Yep. Uh, Hamerson Olave looked amazing, at, you know, own goal aside. I mean, there wasn't much he could do on the own goal. I mean, Ho- Jose Valencia... Uh, kicked the ball at him, and he before he could even react, the ball was hitting him and going into the net. I mean, those two guys. I mean, when you think about that trade, the Red Bulls have to be loving that trade. But listen, those guys had those guys didn't seem to to have a problem with that travel issue. They both look great. So it's the other guys that you know you have to ask yourself, you know, what, what was going on there? What they just not sharp, not ready. Uh, so I'm sorry, I don't I don't think anyone's buying the the, the, the excuses that Terry Henry was trying to deliver. Well, how would you grade Mike Pecky's performance? Well, you know, he I think he got them ready to play, and I think they came out uh, and they looked all right. They looked pretty good. And then the second half, you know, that that's, I, I, you know, maybe it comes down to experience, you know, where he maybe didn't send the right message at halftime to keep them in the right frame of mind so they, would, so they wouldn't be overwhelmed the way they were. I mean, they had to know that the Timbers were going to come out firing in the second half. Uh, and they, they, they came out flat. So, I mean, that, again, that's, that's down to growing pains. But at the same time, Listen, you got a point on the road in in one of the toughest places to play uh, mm-hmm. as far as uh, atmosphere, um, and against a good team. I mean, that Portland team is a good team, so you know it, it, it's probably tough for the Red Bulls to to look at it positively, at least 
at first because, listen, they dropped a two-goal lead. That, uh, you have to hate that. But at the end of the day, it's still a point on the road in a pretty tough place. Well, it was the next big game that you identified. It was a little north of you. That was Seattle versus Montreal. Davey Arnault, unbelievable goal. Seattle had a little bit of an issue finishing up top. I mean, hey, Johnson... Just he just seemed to he just hadn't had a just un, unfortunate unlucky game. Montreal three points in Seattle that's pretty big. Absolutely, I mean not only you know obviously everyone wants to start with a win the, and, and uh, a road win is big, but for for Montreal especially when you think about how bad they were on the road mm-hmm. uh, to to kick a season off that way and especially when you know that you're Montreal and you have a two game road swing uh, to start the season in Seattle and in Portland. I mean, MLS didn't do them any favors scheduling-wise. When you think about it, uh, you know, you tell Montreal, hey, guess what? You start on the road two weeks, and you start in probably two of the toughest places to play in the league. So for them to get that win under their belt, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're world beaters just yet, but it's a, such a positive step and a, and a pretty impressive debut for, for the head coach, Mar- you know, Marco Chalabon, that it shows that, you know, he's got he's put some organization there, and he's taken that team uh, and, and and has them in a good place. And I need to remind people that Montreal, you have to remember, Montreal was a different team in the second half of last season when they added the new players, when they added Marco DeVaio. So it it shouldn't be a complete shock if they're if they're you know a better team if they because if they build off that I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be in that mix in you know a playoff contender. Well, where does Seattle go from here? I mean they just they just looked like they couldn't finish in that game at all. I mean Brad Evans got unlucky. He hit the post. I mean like I said, hey, Johnson had a bad game in front. I mean Steve Zakawani. I mean he got unlucky a couple times. Where does Seattle go from here now? It's one game. I think people need to relax. I mean, where do you go from here? You go to the next game. It's 34 no, games I'm asking. Season. I'm just asking you a question. Okay, the only thing, the only, listen, the only thing that's been settled at this point is that they're not going to go on the game. So, I mean, you know what? I think there's, I still think they're a good team. They're a very good team. I still think if they go, if they get the Obafemi Martins deal done, they're still, for me, an MLS Cup contender. But you know what? It's, you're going to, sometimes teams don't start well. And, and, you know, credit to Montreal. They really, they made it tough. Seattle, had their chances, like you said, they you know they, they they weren't able to put the chances on on frame and 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 you know find the net. But I mean, I don't think any I don't think anyone should be in panic mode just yet. That team for me is too good not to turn things around. And I was, and when you look at Montreal, what do you see differently out of this first game compared to what you saw out of last year? Well, I think they're going to be a much better team defensively. Uh, and you know, we heard all off season was that you know Alessandro Nesta would come. In and be fit this year. He struggled a bit because he wasn't fit. He didn't have a chance to, to really train and get into a good game shape before he started playing. He, you know, he looks like he's ready to have a good year. And if you can get him and Matteo Ferrari to really play at a high level, I mean, having that as your foundation uh, automatically makes you a tough team. So I think, I think the fact that that group played together for the most part uh, the second half of that season, they they have that experience. But now you have a new coach who it seems at least early on has put has. has kind of put them organize them in a good in a good way uh i mean as long as they have that defense playing at a better level they're going to be in every game um i don't know offensively if they're necessarily going to have enough on a consistent basis to be among the top teams in the east but i think defensively as long as they have that foundation i think they're going to be in every game well i was the uh next big game that you identified was a uh definitely a head scratcher for for a lot of reasons Philadelphia University Sport in Kansas City. Union looked unbelievable in that game. Sebastian Leto, homeboy, comes back, scores the opening goal, 
Things are riding high, and then Graham Zuzzi takes over, and Sporting Kansas City just dominates the whole second half. I mean, what happened in this game? I, you know what? I really just think it was a case of a young team going up against a, a, a veteran team, a strong team, uh, an experienced team. Uh, you know, the Union came out flying. Uh, they looked really good. They they showed a lot of promise there, moving the ball around, creating chances. They were all over the. Uh, they were all over Sporting KC, but. I think they really kind of showed their naivete, uh, their inexperience in not being able to put that game away. And, and Sporting KC, I mean, Sporting KC pretty much was like that veteran boxer that, you know, you might mm-hmm. you might overwhelm them in the early rounds and, and you might kind of have them on the ropes, but they're so experienced that they're going to shake that off, come right at you, to, you know, beat, beat you down in the later rounds and win the fight. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, it's funny because, I mean, people are already, you know, if you, if you follow Twitter, people are already jumping on them and talking about, oh, Rodgers knows and Kai Kamara, they're missing them. They're, they're not going to be good this year. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. People were just quick to throw dirt on them. But Graham Zussi, you know, stepped it up. Uh, Yuri Roussel, who, you know, he's one of my players that, you know, I had him on. I had him on the preseason breakout, best 11. He stepped his game up. Uh, you know, Claudio Beeler, I mean, that guy looks like a DP designated player. Uh, he he looks really sharp. You can understand why Peter Vermees was so high on him. Uh, the pieces are there. I mean, they are going to still be either the you know number one or number two team in the Eastern Conference. And for Philly, I think we just saw a team that has promise. They have talent, but they still they're just going to have to learn on the job. They're going to have these growing pains, and and you have to hope that you know they figure things out. Uh, early enough in the season so they can still be in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, do you think Philadelphia is going to be able to to figure this out? I mean, do you think this first game was a big-time learning lesson and, and they maybe have learned and know now what they need to do moving on? I mean, do, do you think Philadelphia has enough time to, to learn this season at all? Well, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I just don't know if they're if they're good enough to, to be a playoff team right now. Um, they're still in a situation where they have a lot of their salary cap tied up in Freddie Adu mm-hmm. and, and tied up in paying for the, the, the transfer of Josue Martinez, who's not even on the team anymore. So right there, you're behind the eight ball. But I, like I said, you know, I think, I think they have enough quality signings from the offseason that if those all pan out, they, they, could, they could be. But, I mean, it's a case, it's a case of you, you really have to hit, hit on all fronts. I mean, you need Connor Casey to, to, to you know, rebound. You need Jeff Park to, to be a, you know, best 11 caliber player again. You need Latou to, you know, return to the form he, that he had when he was with the Union before. If all those things happen, then they're a contender. But they need all of that to happen, and they need their young guys to grow up. Uh, and I think the young guys are going to grow up. I mean, you look at, you know, some of, some of those guys. You know, Ray Gaddis, for me, really impressed me. Amobi Akugo, obviously, is, you know, showed last year he was great. But it, it's they're going to have their growing pains, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to take just one game for them mm-hmm. to wake up and, and learn something. It's going to take time, and, and I still think this is a rebuilding year for them. Uh, let's look at Sporting Kansas City here. Graham Zuzzi, has he? I mean, he just it doesn't seem like he's peaked yet. It looks like he's still climbing that ladder, and you almost kind of don't know where his potential is going to be because he just continues to amaze with what he's able to do on the pitch. Uh, you know, I just think he's really carried over from last year. I mean, you know, the way he ended last year between – uh, the club level and the U.S. national team. I think we saw someone who's really coming into his own uh, this year. You know, he he he's going to be an unquestioned leader. I mean, he comes in now as an MVP candidate. He's someone who, who people see as that caliber of player, uh, and now he's taken on a leadership role. I mean, I think he you know he's a clear leader on that team. 
And uh, I'm sure that he is also being motivated by the U.S. national team and the fact that there is that kind of void right now, uh, that need for midfielders to step up to, to really be factors on the national team. And I'm sure he sees himself as being able to be one of those guys. That's good. And the way he looked against the way he looked against Philly. I mean, I'd say what Philly is not Mexico. Philly is not Costa Rica, but it's still a very positive sign. No, that, I mean, that's good. I mean, competition is great. And that's good that players recognize that competition. Well, he, I mean, he has to know this is it, man. This is his chance to not only put make his mark and really cement his status on the national team, but also to keep, uh, you know, building up the momentum on his career. I mean, if he if he has a strong first half of the season, does well with the national team, this summer, you know, European teams could come knocking. And, uh, you know, you have to feel for Sporting Kansas City. I mean, here they are. They're coming off of a winter that where they, you know, lost Roger Espinosa. Kai Kamara looks like he's probably not coming back yeah. uh, and probably going to stay at Norwich City. But you know what? That comes with that's the price of success. You know, that, that you know, Peter Hermes has done a great job building talent, uh, grooming players uh, to play at that high level. And, you know, I think this is going to be this could be that year where Graham Zussi does enough to, to merit a big transfer. Well, I was in the uh, fourth game that you identified as the five big games of the weekend. We all Salt Lake defeated San Jose two to zero. Uh, both goals for Real Salt Lake came within the last, I believe, the last 20 minutes of the game. Joao Plata was in the game, I think, for like 10 seconds. Before you had that assist to Alvaro Sabario, unbelievable game for Real Salt Lake. He scored twice at the end. San Jose, that the magic that they had uh, last year wasn't there, and and, and they, I mean they missed out a few opportunities earlier in the game. And I mean Real Salt Lake, Ivis, I mean they just they just plug guys in. Well, yeah, I mean you know when you think about the players they lost this offseason, I know that some people were writing them off. And we're figuring, oh, it's rebuilding mode. They're not going to be the same. They lost a Spindle, Olave, Will Johnson. Uh, it's it, you know they're going to have a, they're going to take a step down. And I said it all winter. They have the players to step in and 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 plug right in and help them maintain their level. And they showed it. I mean, they they're they're still yep. a good team. They're still one of the top teams in the West. And before anyone throws dirt on San Jose's grave. I mean, you should consider the fact that Alan Gordon, Stephen Lenhart were not in the game. Stephen Bateshore was not in the game. And even with that, they still created chances. They still had an opportunity to be in that game. And I, and they're still, for me, going to be right in that conversation in the, among the top teams in the West. But it's a big win for Real Salt Lake because yeah. of the fact that they've had so much turnover. Uh, and, and, you know, you had to see how that, that team had come together. And it's clear that they're already, you know, they're already in a at a in a good place right away to start the season. So I don't think there's going to be any growing pains with the new lineup, with the with the new players stepping in to start. It, it seems like they're ready right off the bat, week one, to get it going. And then, you know, of course, Kyle Beckerman's doing his thing back there. I mean, how nasty was that assist that he had uh, on that second goal that Saborio had? Just you know, he's one of the best. He's one of the best in the league, and and you know, I'm sure they're going to miss Will Johnson in the midfield and the energy he brings. But it just means Kyle Beckerman's going to have to bring that much more. And people need to realize Beckerman is is not just a de- mid- defensive midfielder. He's someone who creates. He's someone who sets guys up. And he can score goals. And I was looking at San Jose Earthquakes. Is there anything that you see that they need to maybe tweak a little bit so that way in their next performance they can fix, fix something that maybe you saw was a glaring issue for them? I just think they need to get their, their big guys back. I think Len Hart and, and, and Alan Gordon, you know, the energy they bring – uh, the presence they bring up top, uh, it just creates so much space uh, for their their teammates. I think that that 
once they get those guys back, I think it's, uh, you know, then I think you'll see a different team. I think, that, you know, I think and it had to be expected that they were going to miss Simon Dawkins. I mean, he's, you know, the energy he brought, the quality he brought to their midfield, it wasn't going to be easy to replace. But, you know, I, I think I still think they have too much talent on that team. You still have Wondolowski there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you don't have two of your other big guys, it's, it becomes that much easier to deal with Wondolowski and kind of defend him. Mark him out of the game, kind of keep him under wraps. But uh, I think once they get back healthy, um, I think I think San Jose is going to be right there. I still, I, you know, I don't think they're going to get to that level, obviously, that they were last year. You want to talk about everything coming together perfectly for them last season. I just don't see that happening again. But I still think they're top three, top four team in the West. And I was the last game that you identified as the most uh, newsmaking and interesting games that, that you thought uh, where was the Houston versus DC United? Houston won two to zero. James Riley, a player who came over from Chelsea, would say accidental own goal, and then Houston scored again, winning two to zero. And uh, I mean, Houston, they are not missing a beat from last season. Not at all. I mean, I tell you what, I, I you know I picked them, you know, preseason. I thought they'd be the top team in the East, and they didn't. They didn't do anything to make me feel bad about that pick. I mean, they're a strong team. They were strong last year. They had a great off season as far as adding some pieces, and I think they really sent a message that you know they are ready to go from day one. There's not going to be any of this, you know, weak first half, strong second half. I think they're ready to march from the beginning of the season on, and and you know, Dom Kinnear, he has the players. He ha- he has a roster. He has a lineup now that can really, I think, just you know, I w- they're not going to run away with the East, but I, I really think they could, they could be on top of the East uh, throughout the year. You know, DC United, and this probably isn't going to be an issue for them all season long. But when you look at this game, they only had seven attempts on goal and zero were on target. What, what happened in this game? Is that just a credit to Houston just playing some really tough defense and the Dynamo just kind of? I'm sorry, DC United not there. I mean, wh- wh- where do you see the issue for them? At? I just think their attack is missing something. I think they, you know, it, I, I didn't think they did enough this offseason to, to bolster their team. And you had other teams, obviously, in the league, that, in, in the East especially, that, that stepped up and, and made, made a bunch of quality signings. I don't think, I think DC still needs a forward. I know they went and got Carlos Ruiz, but, you know, for me, I still. You feel you still feel like they have to go get a big forward, a big money forward. You look at Kansas City; they got Claudio Beeler. Houston Dynamo; they went and got Omar Cummings. He's you know who's still you know working his way back, but you know he's gonna be there uh, eventually. But still, Houston has Will Bruin. So who is DC United's go-to guy? Obviously, Dwayne Rosario uh, is is kind of their star attacker, but they as far as a striker, they need a striker. And that's why I, I, I ranked them as low as I did. I mean, people thought, you know, the fact that I made, had them number five in the East uh, in the preseason, that, you know, you know, especially in D.C., the D.C. fans thought I was crazy. And I tell you what, I'm, I have doubts. I have my doubts about what that team's going to look like, what they're going to be able to do. I still think they're a playoff team. I mean, I, I, I'm not ready to throw them out of the playoff picture. But I think if they're going to break through and be a top three team in the East, they need to add more. Because I tell you what, Casey and Houston – are in a different level. And then I think New York and Chicago, you know, not that Chicago look great in their opener, but I still think th- those teams did did well in the offseason. So if you're D.C., uh, I think we're going to see these next few weeks whether or not they have to go shopping this summer. Well, so 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 for you, Dynamo and Sporting Kansas City are the top two teams, and maybe those are the teams that we should see in the Eastern Conference Finals? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't see anything in week one to, to change my mind on that one. I think it's going to be those two teams again. You know, and what did you see out of the Houston Dynamo? I mean, both goals, 
obviously coming late though, but I mean, you have to like the possession that they had in that game and the attempts on goal. And I mean, you just have to like, it. I mean, they were pushing up the whole entire game. I mean, they are, they are the team that we saw in the playoffs, you know, that last year that made the run that made the March to the final that outplayed the galaxy for a half and came within 45 minutes of a championship. I mean, they're that good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough season for them. I mean, they had, they have champions league they have to deal with, even though, you know, there's questions about what Dom Kinnear is going to do as far as the Champions League now, playing Santos Laguna. Are they going to commit starters to that game? Are they going to play reserves? But, you know, that that that's the problems of a good team, of a, of a top team. I just, I really like them. I like what they're going to do. They were my, I would have, they were my pick to win the MLS Cup uh, before the Obofemi Martin saga began in Seattle. And, and I started, in, you know, when you start looking at Seattle and, them potentially adding, you know, a striker like that, you know, I, that that has me thinking Seattle against Houston in the final. But this Dynamo team is is going to be something else. And when you think about them in Kansas City, those games, the games between those teams are going to be some of the best games of the season. Well, Ivis, those are the uh, five key games, big games, important games. I'm going to call them what you want. Those are the five games that you identified from this weekend. That was Red Bulls versus Portland, Seattle versus Montreal, Sporting Kansas City versus Union. Houston versus DC United. We also like versus San Jose. There were some other games that went on this weekend. Dallas versus Colorado. FC Dallas won courtesy of a very bizarre play. Uh, David Ferreira kicked the ball up, and, and Colorado keeper uh, Stuart Seus came up, and and then kind of bizarre. I get. I mean, I guess he realized he was out of the box, so he couldn't touch it with his hands. So he tried to jump, and he mixed it, missed it, and then Jackson came in and scored, and and that was kind of all there was in that game. Right. I mean, the, the Rapids. Uh, they had some promising performances from some rookies. Dylan Powers, Deshaun Brown, you know, should look pretty good. But, I mean, they were missing Matt Pickens and Stewart Sayus, you know, he's been their backup a long time. But that was a boneheaded move. You can't, if you're going to come out mm. to try to challenge, you better get the ball. And instead, he completely whiffed on it. And that was the that was the game. That was the game. Uh, if you're a Rapids fan, you have to be happy with some of the things you saw uh, from, from some of their newer players. But, you know, you, you, you want Matt Pickens back ASAP. Well, I think for the Rapids, obviously they're happy to have Pablo Mastorani back. He only played two games last year. And then you look at FC Dallas, I, was, I mean, George John, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record. I'm going to keep saying what everyone keeps saying. I mean, he had an amazing performance in that game. I thought he had I thought he had just one of the best performances I saw over the weekend defensively for any player. Right. I mean, he did well. I, I thought he had a pretty, pretty good game. Um, again, you have to look at, you know, what they were going up against that 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 rapid attack i mean you know going up against a rookie i think he showed his experience there um you know atiba harris is you know you i see I, I i dig this performance man who atiba harris no 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 george john i guess you didn't like i guess you don't like it that much no i thought he did well but um i you know i tell you what matt hedges before the ankle injury at the very end i thought their defense did well i mean no question about it i, I think I think, but again, I don't know if the Rapids are necessarily yeah. the, the team that you want to look at and say, okay, this is, you know, a center back was tested on this day. I think you have to, you know, you want to see what FC Dallas does against some of the top attacks uh, before you know where they are. I mean, George John is still one of the better one of the better center backs in the league, no question about it. Well, I was, uh, in, in another game that went on this weekend, Chivas USA host, uh, hosted the Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew won 3-0. to zero. Fred, Federico Higuain hit an amazing shot to open up the scoring in the 51st minute, and then uh, the crew scored two more goals late after that, winning 3-0. to zero. Um, I mean, what would you take from this game? Well, uh, you know, the big talk after that game, what everyone wanted to discuss was the attendance or the lack of attendance at Home Depot. 
uh, Home Depot Center, and and, and and it raised a lot of red flags. I mean, they 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 pretty much had the smallest crowd uh, for an opener, a season opener in the history of the league, as far as I can tell. I mean, may, you know, maybe maybe they you know they fudged the numbers again a, a bit, but there I, there was never a smaller crowd for a season opener in the league than we saw on Saturday. And you have to ask yourself, is that? I mean, it's clear that they are not. Con- Connecting with the fan base there, whatever it is they're trying to do in Chivas, it's not working. Um, as far as as far as the marketing and business standpoint, on the field, obviously it was an ugly loss, three zero. But you know what? I tell you what, uh, Chivas USA did not play badly. I mean, they their defense had some blunders, which was to be expected when you go sign guys uh, days before the opening match and you plug them right into your lineup in your defense. That's going to happen. But I thought they they had they created chances. They had some decent. Uh, some decent opportunities, some decent play in their attack, and I think maybe from that standpoint, you have to say, okay, maybe this is maybe there's something there. But you know, I think that was totally overshadowed by a the the lack of a crowd and b uh, a really bad defense. And obviously, the other game was Vancouver Whitecaps versus Toronto FC. The bad news, well, the biggest news coming out of this is, is horrible news that Jaden Merritt is out probably for the season. He was a guy that could have been, you know, maybe a veteran leader on that Gold Cup team this summer. Vancouver got the 1-0 win, though, but I have this horrible news for Jada Merritt. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, when you think about uh, the strong season he had last year, uh, you know, he was going to be a key a key part of this Vancouver defense. Uh, and, and at this point in his career, you have to ask yourself, you know, at 33, you know, does he fight back? Does he think about retiring? Uh, you know, because it's going to be a tough fight back in the last year of his contract to, you know, have this happen. It's, it's devastating. Uh, but but again, with the Whitecaps, uh, you know they did a great job this offseason of adding depth, and, and you could argue that maybe no team in the league would be was, is as is as prepared for that kind of situation as they are. They have two players in Brad Rusin and Johnny Leveron, two center backs who could either one of them uh, could step in and start uh, next to Andy O'Brien, and, and Rusin came in and played really well, and, and I think he showed why. You know, Martin Rennie wanted to bring him in and, and, and bring him reunite with him. You know, they, they, he coached him at the, at the Carolina Railhawks, uh, and Rusin stepped right in and did well. Well, when you, when you look at this game, though, I have not many chances for both teams. Kind of a little bit of a just a back and forth game, really not much going on. And when you look at Toronto FC, what did you take out of their performance in this? It's going to be a long season. I got to tell you, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, there's so much that you have to do with that team. Uh, that roster. I mean, I know they added some players late. You know, they they added obviously Robert Robert Earnshaw is a guy who's who's going to be a big player for them. Uh, Hogan Ephraim uh, is other, another new player for them. But the, I don't know, man. I just think I just think their team uh, it needs so much work. I mean, I think obviously Kyle Becker he showed well in his first game, which you know I don't think is, is that much of a surprise to anybody. I think he's a, he's in that conversation as a rookie of the year contender. But you know what? They just they have a ways to go. They have to build that roster up. They still have to uh, strengthen it. And and I think they're, they're, it's just going to be a long season for them and for Ryan Nelson. And and what you have to hope for of your TFC is to at least compete and to not you know get blown away like Chivas USA was blown away and some other teams uh, you know Chicago Fire blown away. If they can be competitive, then it'll make this rebuilding year a little easier to deal with if you're a TFC fan. Uh, but it still is very much a rebuilding year. Iverson, in the last game, Mike McGee and the LA Galaxy spanked the Chicago Fire. McGee had a hat trick. We're always talking about how special of a player he is. I mean, grinder does. I mean, works hard. 
I mean, the heart of, of could be any team. I mean, great player. I mean, there's so many good things to say about him. And LA Galaxy, I mean, they're also, like you said, not missing a beat after those, you know, great playoff runs for those teams. Well, you know, coming into the season, for this first month, there was that question of Landon Donovan's away, mm-hmm. David Beckham's gone. Is their attack going to still be able to create chances and score goals? You know, because it's going to—is it just going to be Robbie Keane? And Mike McGee has stepped up here in opening week and let it be known he is ready to step up and be one of those top guys. I mean, it's not totally new. I mean, he—he he, he has scored big goals for a while now. In November, this isn't a fluke. And this isn't a fluke anymore. He is that good. But I think now he's going to take on a big role, and I think, and it looks like he is really ready to take it on. And uh, you know, he's he's been underrated for so long now that I think I think we can put that away. I think people know he's this good, and and this this he could be due for a monster season. I mean, Sean Johnson had a very busy afternoon. I mean, he, he, I mean four goals were scored against him. Then he also made six saves. I mean, LA Galaxy, I believe, had. I mean, LA Galaxy had ten shots on target. What happened with with the Chicago Fire defense? You know, that's a good question. I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, the defense they had last year, the team they put together. When you when when you coming into the year, I mean, I still think for me, with the pieces they added, that they they should still be one of the better teams mm-hmm. uh, in the East. But I mean, they just got kind of torn apart. Uh, they, it's clear that they missed Arn Friedrich. I mean, he he, he didn't play for them. He is such a key figure for them uh, that you know he they they missed him they definitely missed him. Uh, but as far as the rest though, I mean I, you know I, it was a little surprising to see them not just beaten but dominated. I mean they were dominated. I mean the Galaxy had the edge in possession. Uh, you know they 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 controlled the ball. It wasn't a case of you know like in the Red Bulls game where the Red Bulls jumped out to a three one lead, but weren't really controlling the game. I mean LA just really control the game and maybe it's just a case of with the fire that they you know with so many new pieces there it's going to take a little time for it to all come together you know with with that trio of Limper Duca and Laurentovitz that did so well in the preseason maybe it's going to take a little while for them to kind of put those pieces together I know Mike Hans started for them I'm still a little skeptical about that I, I you know I was a little surprised actually that that he got the start over you know Sergio McDonald who he showed so well in the offseason yeah. I mean in the 2012, uh, you know, I thought he did really well for them. But uh, L.A., man, they're L.A. is L.A. They're going to be right there. They, they could absolutely win a third straight MLS Cup. Um, and it's scary to think, man, as good as they are right now, um, front to back, I mean, they could still go get another designated player. Yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, the, the, you know, if they go get someone like a Lampard or Kaká or someone of that quality, I mean, man, it's it's going to be hard to bet against them. Well, I mean, so when you look at the whole MLS, who's your number one team right now, L.A. Galaxy? You got to put them number one. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I thought Houston, I think the three teams, Houston, coming into the season, I had four teams that I thought were like the MLS Cup title contenders. Mm-hmm. I thought you had L.A., Seattle, uh, Houston Dynamo, Sporting Kansas City. I thought those four teams were in a different class. And I still think that it's that same four. Obviously, Seattle lost, so they're, they're not quite there. But, you know, I, I think other than Seattle slip up, I think the other three teams showed why they are in that conversation. So, I mean, other than Seattle, all three of those teams are your top three teams from this weekend. As far as team performances, I mean, I thought Real Salt Lake uh, was the team of the week. Just going to San, you know, when you go to San Jose and you get yeah. a win uh, and you shut them out. I mean, I don't care that, that you know, I don't care if they have injuries. That's still impressive. So for me, team, they're the team of the week. As far as the team that looks like they're the best team in the league right now, uh, Houston Dynamo. Uh, Houston Dynamo looked pretty good, and LA looked pretty good. And obviously, I mean, some of these teams too have big, 
CONCACAF Champions League games this weekend, this week coming up here, uh, starting on Tuesday. Houston plays Tuesday, Seattle plays on Wednesday, and LA plays on Thursday. And, I mean, quick turnaround for these teams. And, I mean, we want all these teams to do well in this tournament. Right. It's gonna. It's not going to be easy, you know, and, and you have to, you know, there are going to be some tough decisions to make. Uh, you know, it, do, do you, how much how much do you devote to these games? Uh, you go all in on them and, and then risk, you know, tiring your team out early in the MLS season. Uh, it seems like Houston maybe isn't necessarily going to put a full-strength 11 out against Santos Laguna, uh, which, you know, would be disappointing. But what people need to realize is, you know, the teams that are playing uh, the Mexican opponents – they're really in a tough spot because these teams are, are just starting their MLS seasons. Meanwhile, yes. the Mexican teams are in full regular season mode, uh, you know, with, you know, two months under their belts, in, you know, into the new Mexican season. So they're going to be sharper. And, and, you know, never mind the fact they're probably stronger teams just from, uh, you know, when you think about the teams that, that we're talking about. Santos Laguna playing the Dynamo. And then Tigres, who the, they're currently the first place team in the Mexican League. You know, these these teams, when it gets to the knockout rounds, they take it seriously. They take the Champions League seriously. And it, it's a really tough task for Seattle and Houston. I think the Galaxy has an easier, you know, obviously an easier task. They're playing head of the, uh, the Costa Rican team. So you would like their chances of, uh, of getting through. But, it, you know, US, MLS fans need to realize that, that this might not be the year where we see a team really, really make a run. Uh, into the Champions League. Jeez, Ivis, why do you got to break all our hearts? It's just being real, man. I, th- I tell you what, next year... Stop being real, man. Next year. I, I, you know what? Just to give people something to be optimistic about, I'll call it now. I think there will be a, an MLS team will be in the final in, in 2014. I, I would put money on that. And I think we're closer to seeing an MLS champion in CONCACAF than people realize. I think in the next two years, two to three years, we will see an MLS ch- champion of CONCACAF. How much should I put down on that, Ivis? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of book you got, but I, I would. I put at least. I put at least Stop. five books on. Stop it! Look at you act, acting all big time out in Jersey. Come on, man! I know there's gambling out there in Tucson. I don't live. Oh my god! And well, first off, I live in Phoenix. I don't live in Tucson. So you make sure you get the right city here. Isn't that like the same thing? No. Oh no, my god! Oh my god! You know that's going to piss uh, me oh, off. All, all right, the heat I was, coming now. All the heat. Oh yeah, I know exactly. Do you see me getting fired up? All right, I was, that wraps it up for today's show. Do you, is there anything that you feel that we missed on today's show? Uh, well, you know, I'd say it, it, people have to be excited about MLS, mm-hmm. the start of the season. But we're getting close to the national team returning to action, World Cup qualifying starting back up in a few weeks. And this next week or two is very important because, I mean, guys have to stay healthy, but guys are also going to have their last chances to impress. And, you know, you have to hope that, you know, Clint Dempsey – Recovers from his injury, which yes. he, should, you know, he, it wasn't a major injury, but he, he, fingers crossed on that front, and also fingers crossed on Tim Howard, who, you know, he had a he had a back injury that, that he forced him to miss his first game in years for Everton. But you know, it, it, people that when you look at those things, I think people should also consider that those could be blessing in disguises, give those guys a little bit of a rest before these big games. Uh, but these next two weeks are going to be really big for some players on the fringes to impress Klinsman and to get a place on that roster. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's show. Ivis, thank you so much. Have a safe trip back to New York. New Jersey. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Isn't that the same thing? Ah.
Oh, see, look at that. Look at that. It takes me a whole show and I come out. I get, I'll get you eventually. We'll be back again later this week. We'll break down a little bit of more MLS and preview the weekend. And everyone have a great week. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Podcast.